Welcome to the third and final installment in the series called Thanks Living. We are talking about Thanksgiving not as just a day we celebrate, but as a life that we live. And the reason why we're talking about Thanksgiving, we said when you, those who are thankful and have grateful attitudes live longer on average, healthier lives, more successful work-wise and relationally, happier overall, something these days, better immune system. All the, all the statistics tell us that being a thankful person is better and makes you better at life. And the reason why goes to the root of what happens when we are grateful and thankful. And that's kind of our key thought for this series. And that's what we said in week one, which is thankfulness draws us into God's presence. Unthankfulness pushes us out. That's the reason why we're happier when we're thankful. That's the reason why we are more successful when we're thankful. Because the more grateful we are, the more thankful we are, the more we are drawn into the presence of God. And when we're in the presence of God, everything works out much better than when we're outside the presence of God. We talked about in the first week the story of the 10 lepers. Y'all remember the story where Jesus did this miracle and 10 people were healed. 10 lepers were healed. And then they all went to the temple, but only one of them returned. And that one who returned came to say, thank you so much, Jesus. You changed my life. You saved my life. I was a leper. I was, my life was down and out and you saved me. And Jesus' response to him was not, thank you so much for coming back. What was Jesus' response to him? Where are the other nine? Because Jesus was not asking a question of like, oh yeah, did you see them? Did they take a wrong turn? It wasn't like that. What Jesus was saying is, I know where they are. They're missing. Something is wrong right here. When 10 people are healed and they don't return, or when the other nine didn't return to give thanks, something was missing. And what we talked about in that first week is that even though they felt grateful, they didn't express that gratitude. And gratefulness felt is not the same as gratefulness expressed. Okay, you buy me a nice lunch and I feel really grateful. You know, <laughs> that's not the same as you, hey, thank you. That's what we teach our kids, right? Okay, this is coming Thursday or Friday when they get the gifts from grandparents. We don't want them to just feel grateful. We say, go say thank you to your grandma if you like it or don't like it. Go say thank you to your grandpa. Okay, even if it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen, go say thank you. Because thankfulness isn't something just to be felt, it has to be expressed. And same when it comes to our relationship with God. And that gets us to our, our, our key verse for this series. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Can we read this all together? So try to memorize it. It's very easy to memorize. Read it with me on the count of three. One, two, three. In every, oops, sorry. Again, one, two, three. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks. Let, let that be the thing that we walk away with. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is the will of God? What is the will of God? What is the will of God? In everything, it's give thanks. And then last week, Father Abraham came and spoke to us about the hardest part of this verse. Okay, give thanks, for this is the will of God. We could do that. But the hardest part of those first two words, and that's what really separates the men from the boys. That's what makes it the, the, the challenge, is the in everything. Because it's easy to give thanks when you win the lottery. It's not as, e not as easy to give thanks when you lose your job. It's easy to give thanks when everyone is healthy. It's not as easy to give thanks when there's sickness and illness, especially these days. It's easy to give thanks when you find out you're pregnant. It's not as easy to give thanks when you find out that you're not pregnant. Again, we want to turn thankfulness from an act that we do to a person that we become. We don't want to be people who give thanks we want to be thankful people. We want it to become from an action to a character, a lifestyle, a habit of who it is we are. 
We are people who give thanks, whether it's rain or shine, whether it's good or bad, whether we're sipping on champagne or clinging to a bottle of orange soda, it doesn't matter. We are people who give thanks, no matter what the situation is, because that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. And like Father Abraham said, the way we do that is we need to make our lives less about the circumstances around us and more about us in those circumstances. We need to reframe the circumstances. And we need to not let our circumstances dictate us. We need to let us dictate our circumstances. It's not the bad outside that seeps in us. It's the good in us that seeps outside. And if we are truly going to be people who give thanks and everything, we need to be able to reframe things and be able to see the good in everything. And that was Jesus. And that's our calling. And that's when we go next level in life. That's when the level of peace in your life goes from here, okay? You're kind of in this range. It goes to here. And you enter a new plane when you learn to give thanks in every situation. That's when the joy in your life the love in your life, okay, that's when these things go from here, okay, you're kind of fighting here, here, to a new plane. You enter a new plane when you're able to give thanks and everything. Now, the question for today as we wrap up, how to make this practical. And what I mean by practical, we talked some practical tips, but I'm, I'm talking about long-term practical. How do we make thanksgiving truly thanksgiving? How do we make it into, like we get, we talked about some challenges over the past couple weeks and those are good and those are big things, but how do I ingrain it inside? How do I hardwire it? So it doesn't, it becomes just like second nature, just becomes a part of everyday life. How do I turn it from something that is kind of forced into something that is more natural? Because the truth is it's a lot easier to be, th be thankful today because we're talking about Thanksgiving and it's Christmas season and the fa-la-la-la-las on the radio, and the Christmas lights. And it's, it's a lot easier now when the mood is helping us. But you and me both know that life is going to go back to normal. Okay, some sense of normal, whatever you define normal as. Life is going to go back, and we're going to stop talking about thankfulness. But we need to make sure that we continue the practice. All, all of a sudden, the Christmas lights are going to go away. The only thing that's going to be left is those Christmas bills. Okay, that's what's going to be left over with us. All the, the, the mood of thankfulness is going to go and the distractions of life will resume. So how can we maintain this to make it something not just we talk about for three weeks, but something that we program into our lives? And the key, the key, in my opinion, to a life of thankfulness long term is generosity. Is generosity. We're going to talk about generosity today. And some of you... Some of you may be thinking, as soon as you see generosity up there, oh, no. Oh, no. I came to church. I should have known. End of the year. Should have known. I came on the generosity, the giving. Probably going to dim the lights and the plate's going to come around, okay? Okay, and someone told me one time in their church, the plate gets passed around on the giving Sunday or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, they look at it and it's not enough. They send the plate back around again, okay? Oh, I came on that week. That's what they're going to do. Here we go. Don't worry. If you're worried about your wallet, don't worry. You're safe. There can be no collection plate. I can say that we are now almost finished nine years of STSA. We have never once stood up here and said, we need to collect this. We never once made the guilt, uh, the plea, or we never once did that. We never will do that. This is not a series about giving. It's a series about thankfulness. But what I am saying here is that thanks and giving are connected. That's why the holiday is called Thanksgiving, or that's why we say give thanks, because you cannot connect, disconnect thanks and giving. The two are intertwined. And while you may be able 
to give without being thankful, you cannot be thankful without giving. You can give without being thankful, but you cannot be thankful without giving and being generous. And it's the classic example. It's like in all the movies, right? In, 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 the, in the superhero movies or in, in any movie with the good guy, when he saves the girl's life, okay, he saves someone's life. And the classic response, when someone saves your life, how can I ever repay you? How can I ever repay you? I'm indebted to you for life. How can I ever repay you? And then he goes, don't worry, ma'am, just doing my job, okay? And then he rides off with the girl into the sunset, whatever it may be. But can you imagine if he saved her life? And she's like, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Have a good day. It just, it's not right. Or if she says, thanks so much. Actually, you got money for, uh, 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 can I borrow a few bucks, by the way? It just, it doesn't work that way. Saved your life, so thankful, has to lead to how can I repay? And if not, something's missing. We intuitively know that gratitude and giving are connected. That thankfulness and generosity are connected. And what we want to talk about today is if we want to truly live that thankful life and hardwire it, we need to make sure that we live generous lives. Now, when I say generous, automatically we think of money. And for sure, money is an aspect of generosity. But there's more to generosity than just financial. You need to be generous in all forms. You can be generous with your time. That's a way of being generous. And some people are very stingy with their time. And to take a minute of their time, you feel like, oh my goodness, like it's the most valuable thing on the planet. Like to beg someone for a minute of their time. They're not generous with their time. Some people are generous with their homes. Other people, you feel like you walk in, okay, and then they're sanitizing everything that you step on and everything that like, they're not generous with their homes necessarily. Some people, our parents especially, many of them were very generous with their food. We love that about them. Okay, very generous. Some people stingy with their food. I did a series on marriage several years ago. Okay, and I talked about based on research, based on, on studies that were done. Do you know the number one quality of a successful marriage? There's one quality based on the studies that if this quality exists, the marriage is more likely to be successful than anything else. This one quality, if this character trait exists, if this habit exists, okay, this one thing will lead to success more than anything else. And it was generosity. Generosity in terms of being able to find the most generous explanation for your spouse's behavior and believe it. That's the one quality that when you are able, they, when they interview the people, the ones who are able to find the most generous explanation, oh, he's late, oh, she's not around. The one who's able to find the most generous explanation as opposed to assuming the worst, we believe the best. So what that looks like is, you know what? Some people say, you know, he's impatient. And she would say, no, he's just very focused. Okay, he's not impatient, he's focused. Generous explanation. Oh, she is uh, rude and insensitive. No, she's just honest. Okay, that's a generous explanation. Some would say, your husband's fat and hairy. And she would say, no, it's just like a backup comforter for me in bed. So it's very nice, okay? That's a generous explanation for it. Thankfulness. And generosity are connected. But generosity is much bigger than money. So like I said, no one's going to pass their collection plate around today. So you can just take a deep breath and relax and just listen. No one's going to dim the lights. We're not going to sing, give, okay, give, give, give. Nothing's going to happen like that. Today is not anything that I want from you. Today is what I want for you. What I want for you. I want a life of thankfulness. 
beyond this series. I want a life of gratitude. I want you to be, again, not a person who gives thanks, but a thankful person, a, a grateful person. And I think the key is practicing generosity because a thankful heart leads to a generous life. A thankful heart leads to a generous life. There's a story in the Old Testament that we're going to look at that illustrates this. And a story about the children of Israel, okay? The people of God. And usually, when we talk about the Israelites in the Old Testament, we don't paint them in a positive, we always paint them in a negative. Because they had many examples where they were on the negative side. But since we're in a series and we're doing no complaining, and we're doing a series, we're finding only the good. We're going to do and show an example where actually they got it right. And they actually show us at a time where they expressed their thankfulness in a truly generous and grateful and, 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 and giving way. And it's a story from Exodus chapter 35. Okay, Exodus 35. I'll just give you the context. By Exodus 35, the people of Israel, okay, they were slaves in Egypt. Then Moses came along, burning bush, went to Pharaoh, let my people go, 10 plagues. And then Pharaoh didn't give in, but they stood strong. And then eventually they were able to escape. They're out in the wilderness. They don't know what they're going to do. God parts the Red Sea and the Pharaoh and the bad guys are killed. So God did this great victory for them. He freed them from slavery. He passed through the Red Sea. Things were great. All of a sudden, they're hungry. God says, I send you food. They're thirsty. God sends you drink. I'm lost. Send you a pillar of cloud. We can't see the cloud at night. Okay, make it a fire at night. Like, whatever it is that you need, I got you covered. Whatever you need, I got you covered. First class treatment all the way around. But they weren't always grateful for it. They didn't always appreciate it. And the low point in the history of Israel, in my opinion, the low point for them was in Exodus 32. At a time when Moses is at the top of the Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments from God. The people are down at the bottom. And what are they doing? They're making a golden calf. They said, Moses is gone. We have no leader. We need to make a God for ourselves because Moses is gone and his God is gone. We need to make our own leader. And they made themselves a golden calf. And what they said about that gold calf is a funny expression. And I just had to show it. I didn't, so you believe me. Exodus 32 verse 4. And he received the gold. This is Aaron. Received the gold from the people's hand. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they, the people said, this is your God, O Israel. This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What? This is your God that brought you out of Egypt a week ago that wasn't here five minutes ago? Like what? This is like back to the 10 lepers. This is like the 10 lepers. Jesus heals them. And then they're walking. And all of a sudden, while they're walking, they find themselves healed. And they're like, this grass, the grass that we're standing on, this is who healed us. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just happen to be standing on the grass. It doesn't mean that the grass did the healing. It was Jesus who did the healing. Same thing with you Israelites. How could it be the golden calf, which didn't exist five minutes ago, is like, you guys really messed this thing up. This is a low point for the people. But it illustrates exactly the point that we're trying to make in this series. That their lack of gratitude to God, their lack of thankfulness, pushed them out of his presence in the worst possible way. Because they didn't give thanks. Because they weren't grateful. It pushed them out. They didn't mean to leave God's presence. But that's what thankfulness, thankfulness draws us in. Unthankfulness pushes us out. And this is a perfect illustration. Here they are. 
did this golden calf. Moses comes down with these two shiny Ten Commandments. And he's like, I can't wait to show the people these Ten Commandments. This is the greatest thing written by the finger of God. Sees the people, golden calf, doing all kinds of funny stuff. Gets angry, smashes the tablets, yells at the people and tells the people, y'all really messed up. All of a sudden, the situation gets kind of bloody, okay? And, there's, and there's, they're killing and all kinds of bad stuff. The people are now terrified. They have upset Moses. They have upset God. They messed up bad. And God's response to them was what? God's response was mercy. That's always God's response. God's response was mercy. And God said, even though you people made a bad mistake, I will not leave you. In fact, my presence will go with you always Everywhere you go. In other words, you can't get rid of me that easily. He gave the people mercy when they needed it most. Moses goes back up to the top of the mountain. And up there on top of the mountain, he receives two new tablets with the Ten Commandments. Or we could say it was the first tablet 2.0. Okay, let's keep on going right there. He got the tablet 2.0 version. Okay, the Ten Commandments. And while he was up there the second time, this is the important part before we pick up our story. God gave Moses instructions to build a tabernacle to build a dwelling for him in the midst of the people, a sanctuary where he can dwell among his people. And then Exodus 35, verse four and five says this. This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. And then the next several verses are saying, anyone who's got this kind of ruby or this kind of sapphire or this kind of material, and the people brought this and this and this, he gave them all these different options. But the key word here is God told Moses to go down to the people, tell them what we're going to do, and then give them a chance to participate. Give them a chance to give. Give them a chance to be generous. The key word is a willing heart. Other translations say a generous heart. God didn't force it. God didn't command it. And in other places he did, right? Like in other places, God said, when you have a crop, first 10% goes over here. And when you have this, you give this over here. That's kind of like the tax system, right? The tithing system. God commanded it, but here it was not commanded. Here it was, I did this for you. I saved you. I fed you. I gave you a drink. I led you. You betrayed me. I forgave you. I had mercy on you. Now I'm going to build me a sanctuary and I'm going to need some materials. Do whatever you want to do. You know why God was doing this? Parents. You get this, parents. This is what we do with our kids, right? God is trying to cultivate a spirit of generosity in his people. It's like we as parents, when we give our kids money to put in the money box, we give our kids, we can just put the money box in our, we can put it ourselves. We can put the dollar in ourselves. But we're trying to give them, okay, here, son, here's $2. Make sure that you do with one. Goes in the money box. We're trying to teach them. That's what God is doing right here. I feed you. I save you. I free you. I hear your prayers. I, 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 I. Now do what you want to do. Now I'm giving you an option to participate. Because when people truly see what God has done for them, you don't need to command generosity. Look at the people's response. These are the Israelites who we always talk about is so bad, so bad, so bad. But after God did this, because they saw what God did, look at their response. Verse 21. Then everyone came. Everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service for all the holy garments. 
Okay, now pay attention. We're going to keep on reading a few verses. Watch how many times it talks about free will offering, voluntary offering. Heart was stirred. Watch what it says. Then, then came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold, that is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, redskins of rams. Redskins of rams. I didn't realize that. Okay, see, the, the, the football team, it's, it's in there, okay? Redskins of rams and badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering. And everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hand. It wasn't just the material. Also, their gifting. Okay, they were generous with everything. And brought what they had. It spun of purple, a blue, purple, and scarlet. And fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and spices and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. Did you see? All Moses said is, guys, we're going to build this temple. And the people said, okay, I'll bring this stone. I'll bring this yarn. I'll bring this red skin of whatever it may be. Okay. I'll bring this goat hair, whatever. I'll bring this. I'll bring this. I'll bring this. I'll bring this. When truly there's thankfulness, there's no need to command giving. Because thankfulness and generosity are connected together. It gets even better. Look at verse 29. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. Again, it keeps emphasizing free will. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. We'll go now to verse 30, or chapter 36. So the people brought, the people brought, the people brought. Chapter 36, they take all, the workers take all the people brought. And they start to build the tabernacle. Okay, and they have their groundbreaking ceremony or whatever it may be, and they start to build. Now watch what happens right here. So they continued, after they started working, they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Wow. They took up the collection. They got everything that they need. Now we can begin to build. And the people kept bringing more stuff and bringing more stuff. It was as if, it was as if they found something. It was as if when they were giving, they found something inside themselves. They found something in their, in their lives. They found something that they didn't want to let go of, that they wanted to hold on to, that they wanted to keep doing. And they kept on giving. Verse 4. Then all the craftsmen who were doing the work of the sanctuary came. Watch this verse. Each came from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough. The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord had commanded us to do. Basically saying... We don't know what to do with all the stuff the people are bringing us. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to show you a verse in the scripture that is a true miracle. A verse that has never happened before and will never happen again in the history of all God's people. Whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament church. Let me show you a verse that's never ever happened before, will never ever happen again. Are you ready for a true miracle? It's not parting of the sea. It's not water from a rock. It's none of that stuff. Ready for the miracle verse? Ready? So Moses gave a commandment. Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had was sufficient for the work to be done. Indeed, too much. What's the miracle? The fundraising committee stood up and said, no more. The fundraising committee for the people of God, for the church. The fundraising committee said, guys, stop giving. Never happened before. Never going to happen again. I can assure you that. Here's the question. But I want you, don't, don't pass by this too quickly. 
Where did this come from? How did this happen? Is it that, think with me, is it that the people gave so much because they were so rich? Like, is that the difference between them and us? They were clearly very rich. That's why they kept on giving. Is that what it was? No, they weren't rich. They had no homes. They had no country. They had no jobs. They had no land. They had, no, they had nothing. The people had nothing. They had only what they carried with them. They had the shirt on their back. So when the people gave yarn, that was it. They had no more yarn. When the people gave a curtain, they had no more curtain. It wasn't like, oh yeah, they just make more at the mill the next day. They're in the desert. They're wandering for 40 years. They were not rich. They didn't have more finances than us. What did they have? A thankful heart. I just told you a minute ago. A thankful heart leads to a, a generous life. It's, it's, it's one plus one equals two. A thankful heart leads to a generous life. You can't disconnect it. You can't say thankful heart and then leads to not generosity. It can't. It just can't. It doesn't work that way. A thankful heart must lead to a generous life. And if you see a generous life, you know what's behind it is a thankful heart. I would imagine, I'm just making this up, but I would imagine if, if the people of Israel could tell us the story of this time, I would imagine the parents' generation would be with the kids. I would say to the kids, okay, kids, I'm going to tell you a story from when we were younger. Okay, put down the iPad and put down your whatever it is that you're playing with and just listen. They always had distractions for the kids, okay? Put it down and listen. And they said, there was this time when we were in the desert. We had just left Egypt and we thought we we're going to be free and we're going to ride victoriously. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh and the bad guys were right behind us. We didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know what we were going to do. We had no weapons. We were in the middle of nowhere and we had really upset them and they were going to kill us. We were all going to die right there, which was really bad for them because they didn't understand afterlife the way we do. So dying in the middle of the wilderness is really bad. They needed to be buried properly in ceremonies. So we're going to die right there. And this is the end. This is the end. And we all started crying and screaming and the women were hitting themselves and the men were fighting with each other and everyone was looking to run and no one knew what to do. And then Moses tell everyone, calm down. And then Moses stood in front of everyone and he said, don't worry. I'll show you what God will do. And they said, what God going to do? God is this mess. He said, don't worry. And Moses went to the edge of the sea. Moses went to the edge of the sea. And we thought, oh my goodness, he's going to jump. He's going to commit suicide. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And I'm telling you, Junior. Then he yelled at the kid again. I bet, listen to me, Junior. Pay attention. Here's the good part of the story. And he said, I'm telling you, Junior. What we saw next, you can't imagine. You can't imagine. You can't imagine. The wind started blowing. And the wind started blowing. And I'm telling you, if I saw, didn't see my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. That the wall was a wall. The waters stood upright like a wall on the left side and on the right side. The waters stood upright like a wall. And I'm telling you, man, we walked on dry land in the midst of the sea. And you couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe it. And nobody could believe it. But man, we walked on that thing so we know it. And we got mud on our feet from the middle of the ocean. And we get to the other side. And then all of a sudden, here comes Pharaoh. He's going to catch us. And I'm telling you, the same way that thing opened up, the same way that thing closed up on them and drowned them all. God is so good. And now we were at our low point. God was so incredible. We just, we just, and this is the point of the story. I'd say, they would probably say, you know what? What can we do? You know what? I heard they're, they're building that sanctuary. Let's go give something. Give me those gold earrings. Let's go offer it. After what God did for us, we got to offer it. 
Or they said, you know what? Uh, I, don't need, um, uh, I don't need that speedboat anymore. Let's just go offer it to God. Or I don't need that vacation package. Or I don't need that whatever. Just whatever. Because God gave us so much. And I don't think anyone coerced them, pressured them, guilted them. I think simply, Moses said, we're doing this. And the thankful heart leads to a giving and generous life. The more they remembered God, the more they were generous. And here's the next part. Don't miss this. The more they were generous, the more they had to be thankful for. You realize that, right? The more we're thankful for, the more we're generous. And then the more we're generous, the more we have to be thankful for. You know that, right? The more we're generous, the more we're thankful. Sorry, the more we're thankful, the more we're generous. The more we're generous, the more we have to be thankful for. You say, how does that work? Is that because like the people who are generous, God gives them more? It's like, like a bribe system. Okay, so the people who donate a lot, that like God gives them a lot. No, that's not what it's saying. It's not a bribe system or, or you, you have to you pay off God to get good stuff in your life. No. But remember, thankfulness draws us into the presence of God. So those who are thankful are generous. And those who are generous find their eyes being opened to more that God is doing in their life. Those who are generous find their eyes being opened to more that God is doing in their life. And that's why I say it this way. Thankfulness leads us to generosity. But realize that generosity leads us to thankfulness. The more we see, the more we're thankful. The more we're thankful, the more we give. The more we give, the more our eyes are open to see more, be thankful more, give more, and a cycle just keeps on going that way. <clears throat> give you an example. When I first started working, okay, it was way back, okay, back in the day, okay, when I first started working, I used to give, me personally, I used to give because my parents made me. Not be honest and tell the truth, okay? We didn't have a choice when we were growing up. Okay, we would give because we were told to give, and our rules are very strict. First paycheck goes to church, and then 10% of everything after. That was the rules, and we didn't give. I wish I could say I gave with a cheerful heart. I didn't give with a cheerful heart. I gave because that's what we were told to do. That's the way my parents raised us. And even my mom, okay, she had very specific rules as well. She took it to an extreme of not just the first of the paycheck, the first of everything. So she bought a new dress. First time she wore it had to be to church. She bought a new car, couldn't drive it anywhere until she drove it to church first so the priest could bless it. Everything had to be the first time, the first time. And I would say to her, okay, I bought these new, we used to have a fight, I would want to wear sneakers to church and she wouldn't let me. I bought these new sneakers, I get to wear it to church. She said, no, no, that's not how it works, okay? So I discovered some loopholes in her system. But anyway, we go, that was the system that I had growing up. I didn't give cheerfully, I gave because I was supposed to. I thought it was like taxes. Your paycheck, you give some to Uncle Sam and you give some to God and the priest and that's just what I thought it was. Then I started to get close to God. I started to personally take ownership of my spiritual life. And I'm telling you, when that happened, no one ever told me to give more. No one ever told me that it's like a good thing. And no one ever told me anything like that. But I found myself naturally wanting to give more. And even at the time, I wouldn't have even said it. I wouldn't have even noticed it. But now looking back, I can see it. And at the beginning, it started with like a one-time thing. Like the church was doing like a new building or whatever it was. So, okay, I want to give a little bit extra to that. It's not going to make much difference, but I wanted to do that. And then it became, like I said, generosity, not just money, with my time. I want to start volunteering more and serving more and giving more of my time. It became generosity with my words. 
okay? And with the way I just treated other people, generosity just started coming. And what I remember very clearly during that time is the more and more I gave, the more I felt God giving me. The more I gave, the more I felt God giving me. And I remember even specifically thinking at one point, it is impossible, it is impossible to outgive God. And I truly believe that. It is impossible. Because the more you give, the more he gives. And then you want to give more, and then he give you. The more you give, the more he ends up giving you. And then I remember at a certain point in time, those who know me know I'm kind of a competitive person. Okay, I like to, you know, this is the way God made me. I remember one point in time hearing a Bible study or reading something about the passage in 2 Corinthians where it talks about as you excel in every area of fasting and giving and prayer, or fasting and prayer and all those things, excel in this grace. So basically like be better when it comes to giving is what he was talking about. St. Paul was saying then. So be better. And then I remember hearing that some people gave more than 10%. And I'm like, I didn't know that was an option. I thought it was just like the, ba the basic requirement. So I said, you know what? I want to give more. And I made it a goal from that day. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you the truth. I made it a goal from that day that every year my giving would increase percentage-wise every year. And some years it could only go up a little bit. But ever since that day, I can say in front of God that my giving has never gone down. And maybe get to 11%, maybe get to 11.5%, maybe 12%, maybe some years can't, but at least, at least keep it the same. And I can say from that day to today, there's never been one year where my giving has gone down. Now, the way this story is supposed to end, what you're expecting me to say next is, and ever since I did that, I'm the richest person on the planet and I won the lottery and yada, yada, yada. That's what you're expecting me to say. That's the way the story would be perfect. But that's not the case. I never won the lottery. I never even played the lottery. But the truth is two things. I can say, number one, that I never felt in need of anything. I never felt in need of anything. I can truly say that. There's never been a time in my life where I felt like, you know what? I'm in need and God didn't provide. And the second thing I can say is in some ways, I think I did win the lottery. I think I won better than the lottery. I wouldn't trade my life with anyone on the planet. Honestly, I'm not bragging. Okay, because all this stuff is not me. I'm saying, I feel like God gave me the best wife, best kids, best parents, best church. Even our football team is on a four-game winning streak these days. Like, really, I, I don't know what I would say that God didn't give me the best of the best. And listen carefully. This, this is from my heart, especially to the kids in the room. I would say, honestly, 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 you want to know my heart. This is not here. This is from my heart. I always believe in my heart there are two reasons why God has blessed my life more than anyone else on the planet. I think I'm the most blessed person on the planet. I always feel like I told you before, my apologies to you. I'm God's favorite. I know that. Okay. I got, I know that there's two reasons why. And I truly believe this. One is I honor my father and mother. That's the first one. And the second is a generous giving lifestyle. I'll go to my grave saying those two things. And if I want to know why the reason God blessed me, I will go to those two things. You honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise. And number two, you live a generous life because you can never outgive God. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says it in a more brief, succinct way than that long story that I just said. He says this, Solomon says, there's one who scatters yet increases more, which is the opposite. One who scatters should decrease. One who scatters increases more. There's one who withholds more than is right and it leads to poverty. One who scatters has more. One who holds on has less. Then it says, Proverbs eleven twenty five. the generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also, wa also be watered himself. 
The generous soul will be made rich. I told you I wanted to go practical, hardwire this thing into our lives. How do we make generosity practical? Let me give you two tips. We wrap up this series with this. I would say give regularly and give worshipfully. Two things to walk away from. Give regularly and give worshipfully. Let's start with regularly. Regularly, we all know that our, I want to say our duty, because I don't like saying it, our duty, it's more than our duty, but we'll just say that, is 10% of our income. But like I said a minute ago, did you know that giving God 10% of your income is just the bare minimum? It's not, it's not the maximum, it's the minimum. It's not like you, it's not like you, you, you try to, it's like that's the floor and we go from there. Now, why does God command us to give? Like if God is more efficient system, instead of me give you 100 and you give me back 10, why don't I just give you 90 to start with? That's more efficient. This is very important. The reason that we give regularly is not because the church needs our money. Please, please, please. I'm the priest of the church, and I'm telling you, the church does not need your money. I promise you. And I'm not just saying that to try to, I promise you, the church does not need your money. You need the giving. You know why? Stop me if you've heard this before. There's a virus in the world today. You know about this, right? And it's a deadly virus. And it's very contagious. And we need to do whatever we can to combat this virus. Because this virus is infecting people at an alarming rate. You know this, right? And the virus is called materialism or greed. Okay, but let's go materialism because no one would ever say they're greedy. Let's go materialism. And materialism, you know this. You can see it everywhere around you, right? You see it. Everywhere except the mirror, of course. The world around us is constantly infecting us with materialism. And giving is the vaccine. Giving is what protects us. Just in the same way that God gives us fasting to protect us against gluttony, God tells us to exercise to protect us from slothfulness. God tells us give to protect us from materialism. And you say, I'm not materialistic. Everyone else says it's not me. Okay, let me give you a test. I'll give you a test and be honest. If I told you today <clears throat> that your income is going to double, if I told you today that your income is going to double in 2021, what's your first thought? Is your first thought, or let's say I say, I'm going to give you a check for $10,000 on January 1st. What is your first thought? I know eventually you'd get to the right thought, but what is your first thought? If your first thought is, oh, that's great. Now I can buy this. Now I can have this. Now I can get this. That's materialism. Like that's materialism 101. Materialism 101 on the first day of class, in materialism class, they say materialism is the more you get, the more you get to have for yourself. That's what materialism is. The more that you have to spend, the more you get for yourself. That's materialism. Generosity, your first thought is, Oh, great, now I can give. Oh, that's great because now I can support. Oh, that's great because now I can help. And the one who is truly thankful and content and grateful to God, that will be the thought process. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 tells me that this is, in case you're like, why is Father Anthony talk about this? Because St. Paul says, I don't have a choice. It's a command. Look what he says. Command those command those who are rich in this present age. By the way, that's us. 
Okay, if you were here in Loudoun County or Fairfax County or Arlington County, Virginia, you're rich in this present age. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Don't matter how much we have, don't matter how much we're able, if God has given us, then we need to have that content and gratefulness that leads to generosity and giving. Now, for some people, and again, this is something I struggled with, you know, a while, but, you know, sometimes we think to ourselves, okay, I'll give. Like, I want to help the homeless. Uh, I want to, you know, cancer research. I want to help the church, whatever. But what difference will my giving make? What difference will it make? You've thought that before. Like, I only got five bucks. Like, what difference will five bucks make or ten bucks make? Like, what difference does it make, okay, if I give, you know, 10% or 10.5%? Like, what difference will it make in the grand scheme of things? Well, the answer is the difference it'll make is huge, gigantic, but not for the recipient, but for the giver. You don't believe me? Look at the widow with the two mites. She gave two pennies, and Jesus made a big stink about it. All the other people gave big checks. And Jesus didn't say, what's your, he didn't care about them. One lady gave two mites. That was a game changer for her. Another little boy gave five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish. What is that among so many? But it made a difference. And not just a difference for the people, it made a difference for him. So you know what? You can't cure cancer. You can't cure cancer. But can you be generous with your time and visit a cancer patient? You can cure it. You didn't solve anything, but can you be generous with your time? You can't convert everybody to Christianity, but can you invite one person to church? You can't convert all, but can you invite one? You can't build a church for STSA, but can you put a brick in? Can you finance the brick piece of it? Not the whole thing. You can't. Our job is to be generous. Give regularly and trust God to do the rest. There's a story about a kid one time in Sunday school. Kid one time in Sunday school, a missionary came to the Sunday school class and told this story about how he's collecting for the mission. And he gave this great story. And then the teacher asked the kids, kids, who, if they had a million dollars, would want to give to this missionary? And all the kids raised their hand. I would give a million dollars. Okay, who would want to give a thousand dollars to the missionary? And all the kids raised their hand. Who would want to give $100 to the missionary? They all raised their hand. And she said, okay, who would give $1? And several kids put their hands down. And she asked one kid, you said you'd give a million. Why won't you give one? You know what he said? Because I have one. I don't have a million, so it's easy to give what I don't have. But I have the one. And I don't want to give that up. Well, I'm telling you, God cares more about the dollar that you have than the million that you don't. I know if everyone here won $10 million lottery, I know you'd be the most generous person. I know, but that doesn't matter. God doesn't care about the 10 million you don't have. He cares about the $1 that you do have and he wants you to be generous with it. So we give regularly. That's number one. Number two, give worshipfully. Get rid of this idea, like I said, of giving as guilt or duty, or like I said, it's like a tax system and it's just how they keep the lights on in the church. Get rid of that. Get rid of the idea that we give as like a tip. Okay, we tip God. Like God did something good, I give him a tip. Because I say even if a tip, you go to the restaurant, you give them 15%. God only gets 10%. Like, come on, like if it's going to be a tip, it should be more than the waiter gets. Get rid of this idea that we bribe God 
or we have to convince him to bless us. Get rid of that idea. Giving is like praying. It's like fasting. It's an act of worship. It's something I do because I love God. You say to yourself, well, if I love him, why do I have to give? Let me ask you to be honest again with yourself. Think of the people that you love the most in life. Think of the people that you love the most. I bet you, if you get a piece of paper and a pen, you will see they cost you the most in life as well. The people that you love the most, you end up spending the most on. They cost you the most. Why? Because love and giving, love and giving, thanks and giving are connected to each other. That's why we say, put your money where your mouth is. It's an expression and it's true in every aspect of life. I want to show you a prayer from the church that shows you how giving is an act of worship. And in fact, when you give the church tree, and no matter what it is that you give, okay, even the smallest thing, we'll show, I'll show you the prayer in a second. It's called the prayer for the oblations. Because back in the early day, when, when they would gather for liturgy, so-and-so would bring the wine, so-and-so would bring the bread, so-and-so would bring the oil so, for the candles, so-and-so would bring this. They all brought their stuff. And the church said, we need to pray and ask God to bless these people. So I want to read this prayer to you. I'm just going to read it. It's kind of long, but I'm just going to read it. And I want you to put yourself in there and ask yourself, am I gaining the blessing of this prayer every week? Look at the stuff that we say. We, the priests say, remember, O Lord, the sacrifices, the offerings, and the thanksgivings. Again, not involuntary, not taxes. The people who gave because they were thankful, the thanksgivings of those who have offered to the honor and glory of your holy name. Receive them upon your holy, rational altar of heaven as a sweet savor of incense. So we're praying for you. Before your greatness in the heavens through the service of your holy angels and archangels, as you receive the gifts of the righteous Abel, the sacrifice of our father Abraham, and the two mites of the widow, so also receive the thank offerings of your servants, those in abundance, those in scarcity, hidden or manifest. Watch now even goes a step further, even those who have nothing. Those who desire to offer, those who desire to offer, because it's the heart, the thankful heart, which leads to the generous life. Those who desire to offer but have none. Though, and those who have offered you these gifts this very day, give them the incorruptible. This is what we're praying for you. Give them the incorruptible for the corruptible. Give them the heavenly for the earthly, the eternal for the temporal. They gave us temporal, give them heavenly. They gave us corruptible, give them incorruptible. Their houses and their stores, fill them with every good thing. Surround them, O Lord, by the power of your holy angels and archangels. As they remembered your holy name on earth, Remember them also, O Lord, in your kingdom. And in this age too, leave them not behind. We talked about this in week one. The word Eucharist means giving of thanks. And God said, the peak of our intimacy with him is connected to giving and thankfulness. These two terms are, in, are connected, interconnected. And the peak of our intimacy with God is around this idea of we come to God with thankful hearts and we offer ourselves. And God takes our offering, then he offers back himself to us. So, I'm done. No collection plate. No pledge cards coming around. Nobody dim the lights and sing a song. None of that's going to happen. And in fact, just in case you didn't hear me loud and clear, I don't want, I'm be like Moses, I specifically don't want anyone to give anything today. Unless you already gave it, then keep it in there. Okay, but don't take it out. Okay. I don't want anyone to give anything today. I don't want anyone to come with a generous spirit today because then I might feel guilty or you're doing it out of guilt. What I want you to do is consider how you and your family can be more generous in 2021. 
That's what I want you to consider. Forget about giving right now. Forget about the extra tax benefit. Forget about that. I'm willing to forego it. I want you to figure out how you can get this blessing prayed over you more in 2021. How can you be more generous with your time, more generous with your home, more generous with your money, more generous with your entire lives? Because in the end, the thankful heart leads to the generous life. And it's especially important as we approach Christmas because Christmas is all about us receiving the greatest gift ever, the generosity and grace of God bestowed upon us and that God so loved the world, John 3, 16. He so loved the world that he did what? That he gave, and he gave the most precious thing. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God didn't love us just in his mind. God didn't love us just with words. God didn't love us just in his heart. God loved us so much that he gave deed, action, generosity of the greatest kind. And when somebody gives you a big gift, you can't respond down here. Like if I give you a $50 Amazon card for Christmas, you're not going to get me like a little mug that says happy best dad ever, something like that, okay? I'm getting you an Amazon. You better step up and you get me something similar. God gave us his son, the most precious thing. And now it's up to us. It's up to us. How thankful are we? And our thankfulness should in turn lead to, to great, I'm sorry, to generous lifestyle because that's what thanks living is all about. Not a day we celebrate, but a life that we live. Let's stand together for a prayer. <clears throat> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the gift that you've given to us, sending your only begotten son into this world. None of us, Lord, is worthy of, of, of one drop of his blood, Lord, but you, you gave us your son so that we could live with you and have everlasting life. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk away from this series as truly more grateful and thankful people, and that thankfulness would then be expressed in our generosity, with our time, with our money, with our lives, Lord. Help us to be known for this. Help people around us like to see us and say, those are the most generous people, the way they treat one another, the way they give when someone's in need. Let that to be what defines us, Lord, because that is truly what defined you, and we are your disciples. We ask these things in the name of your Son, the prayers of all your saints. Here's as we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.